Hello and welcome to another episode of Chilling with Charlie. I'm here today with Lisa who is the Head of Finance and Analytics at punters.com.au. Today we're going to talk about Lisa's interesting journey into finance and also analytics and some of the interesting work that the team she leads is doing for punters.com.au and also odds.com.au. Running a podcast costs money. Chilling with Charlie is proudly sponsored by Betfair Australia. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. They are not a bookmaker and you can see how they champion data modelling by checking out bit.ly forward slash Betfair Charlie. Gamble responsibly. Thank you for joining me today, Lisa. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. So to begin with, why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and what's your current role at Punters? As you mentioned, I'm the head of finance and analytics. I pretty much look after anything to do with numbers from um, a day-to-day accounting basis and also the analytical side of things. So a lot of our products that we have, there's data science that goes behind it, and I look after a very small team um, and myself, and we deal with that. So my background is I'm a chartered accountant. I've been in accounting for about 12 years now. I didn't really have a typical career path into accounting. I started off with TAFE doing bookkeeping and then decided to keep going and ended up getting my chartered accountant's qualification about three years ago. I've worked throughout my career mainly in health insurance and telecommunications and a few other smaller jobs in between there. So I've dealt quite heavily with finance inside accounting teams and that's about it. That's my background and now here I am at Punters. Coming from an accounting background, it would have been a pretty big change going into the betting industry and analytics. How did that role sort of come about? Um, I just applied for it. I saw the vacancy, um, the finance manager position, and I just thought when I had the interview with the guys, it was just a really interesting sort of role from the accounting perspective as well, moving from a smaller company to and growing into a larger organisation. But also there wasn't an analytics team at that point in time, and I really, I suppose the big thing that appealed to me was, was being able to have a look at horse racing data and play around with it and, you know, build some models and maybe see if I could win some bets, really. So, yeah, that that was the big appeal for the role. And so tell us about the analytics that you're doing with punters. Well, it actually started, we went to the races one night with the team and I sort of put a dollar down on a horse that was 17 to 1 and, and it got up. So, you know, it, it, it was pretty cool. And from there, I think I went back to work the next week and got the guys to give me access to the database and I just started playing around with the horse starter. So at that point in time, we were building out our late mail product and so I was actually able to to put some of the findings into that algorithm that we have. So uh, what late mail does is it has a look at different criteria that the algorithm's built on and it sends out notifications when a horse meets that criteria and hopefully it wins. Yeah, so I got to play a part in that and put some of my, you know, the insights that I'd found into building that algorithm out. From there, I then ended up building out a spreadsheet 
that I use to pick my horses in Excel. And um, it just uses pivot tables and slices and a few formulas to identify horses that could win a race. So I've got it split it between fixed variables. So things like your track conditions, event starters, barrier numbers, favorable position in the field that the horse likes. And then I've also got more variable variables, <laughs> I guess. And so that they're things like uh, what jockey's riding the horse and, and that sort of thing. And the horse speeds or the field speeds in the race and their sectional times. So I was sort of playing around with those in my Excel spreadsheet and, and just worked out that there was quite a lot of insights that you could gain. And it was really interesting having a look at how a horse wins and at what point they win a race. And from there, it sort of lent itself or getting further into that analytics and punters, it's lent itself to a couple of other products that we're building. So there was one form finder that was released last year. And similar to the spreadsheet, it is just querying the database and pulling out horses that um, the different criteria apply. So on the left-hand side of um, when you're looking at the desktop version of Form Finder, you can sort of select your um, jockey strike rate, your trainer strike rate, distance and, and that sort of thing. And it gives you a selection of horses that fit that criteria coming up in the future. So it's a pretty handy tool to um, sort of have a look at the database and, and apply it to the next couple of days racing. So you're new to horse racing, I guess, or you were at the time. So when you're building out these models, you're getting all these ideas, how do you go about approaching what was a very new thing at the time? Yes, it still is new. I've still got a lot to learn. But I Google a lot, to be honest. I pretty much come up with a hypothesis and then start investigating it. I don't tend to write a lot of them down, which I probably should. But yeah, I just start investigating and Google really helps especially um, I'm now using Python as well. So it definitely helps to get some code together to go through the database a lot faster. But yeah, I really just Google and just play around with the numbers and pivot tables and try and find out what works or where there's a bias or whether something that could help you in really. How do you come up with these, I guess, hypothesis? Are you just asking around people at work? Is there like a how to back a winner book that everyone reads <laughs> um not that i know of that might be a good book though no look i started out by wanting to prove or disprove theories that i was hearing around the office and also around the track so one of them in particular was darren Weir always wins on a third up and so that means the horse the third race in the horse's preparation darren Weir will always win well i mean for starters he's not always going to win. But second of all, there was no proof to that comment or none that I could see. So I actually had a look in the database and and it turned out on this particular track, his strike rate or win rate was only 13% for third up. So I think once, you know, I'd heard comments like that, that were, you know, people didn't have proof for, I guess the competitiveness in me sort of came out a bit and I just wanted to know everything, which I'm never going to, but it was really interesting to have a dig around and, and be able to prove it and disprove these theories. So there's no books that I know of 
or that I actually looked at. It's really just I'm lucky in the environment that I'm in that I can talk to people when I want to. I really like meeting people in the industry and getting their like nugget of wisdom. Everyone will have a little thing that they swear by and, you know, that's how they pick their horse. And, yeah, I really love learning people's nuggets of wisdom and then going and, and having a look and seeing if I can add that to my model or, or not or, you know, if it helps or if it doesn't. So, yeah, I just talk to a lot of people and, and listen and, and test their theories out. How do people get the most out of the form finder and what's part two from the form finder for you? So form finder, it is pretty easy to use. So I mentioned before, you can use the strike rates, there's distance, there's jockeys and a whole range of other ones, barrier numbers and and that sort of thing. And it just looks forward in the database and pulls out those horses. So it's about two to three days forward we've got it and it brings up those horses and the odds as well so it gives you a really good idea of if you really like barrier two at Caulfield for example you think that it's like it just wins all the time then you can set your criteria to that and it will pull the horses out that are going to race out of that barrier in the next three days so it's a really quick easy way of having a look at form and being able to place your bet so down the track I think we're working on on a bit of a version two. Form Finder is sort of um, the tool you use to look at the future. Version two will be looking backwards and being able to ideally come up with a system or with a, a criteria, selection criteria for your horses and be able to have a look at whether there's a return on that or has been historically and then you can apply it to the future horses. So I think it'd be a really amazing product and a lot of fun as well. So I sort of sit there quite often and put in a lot of different selections in my spreadsheet and just comes up with different ROIs and tells me, you know, what I should put my money on and and what I should be staying away from, more importantly. Do you use your own form finder personally? Yeah, I do. When I'm having a quick bet, definitely. I've sort of got into, you know, a position, I think, you know, with most people, like I'm not quite betting seriously yet I'm waiting to build out the rest of my personal models to do that so I sort of have the occasional emotional bet and definitely use form finder for that one so apart from horse racing what are some other things that people might see on punters or odds.com.au that you've been involved in and tell us a bit more about them yeah, of course. So Hunters is obviously our horse racing and we've got Greyhounds on there or coming in as well. With Odds, Odds is our sport-related brand. So in the last few months, we've just launched our AFL and NRL predictors in line with the season opening like five and six weeks ago. The NRL predictor is currently performing really well, a lot better than expectations, I guess. So really happy with that. It's got a strike rate of 64.3%, which is um, slightly above where favourites come in. And, look, yeah, I'm really happy with how the NRL is going. So we actually extended our team short term. So we had some external people come in and help us build out the NRL and AFL predictors because we only had five weeks to do it before the start of of the season. So it was a really tight time frame. But we pretty much knew what we wanted from the outset. So 
we just needed it done fast. So many hands make light work, especially when you're dealing with data you haven't even looked at before. And, and that was the case for us with NRL and AFL. Like we hadn't had a look in the database yet, so we didn't even know what was there to be able to work out what then to or how to model it. So a bit of a quick learning process. And we're still learning now. We're still working on our next iterations for both of those models. AFL, it's been a really tough start to the season, I think, AFL, in terms of predicting, but also for a lot of the teams. I think the new rules have definitely impacted how they're playing. And it looks to me like the scoring is, you know, not as high as it may have been last year, which isn't great when you use like with data to build your model, but you know, we'll get there. So like I said, we'll just keep iterating on it and hopefully, yeah, in a couple of weeks it'll start to stabilize a bit. Yeah, I think if you were to go to Monash probability tipping comp, which has been pretty popular, if you were to enter in today, you'd get a score of zero and you'd be in fifteenth place, which is I think pretty much shows how well AFL tipping's been going for everyone this season so far. Wow. Okay, yeah. I feel really good now. (laughs) So when you talk about like a database, what's in it? What are your team using to build out these uh, models? With the AFL and NRL, it's actually, they're quite simple or not simple. Uh, We're using neural networks and some TensorFlow there, but the features we've actually got going into them quite limited into the first and second iterations so the idea is that we we want to build it up slowly and because we only had five weeks to get it up and running anyway you know we didn't have a lot of time to do extensive feature engineering so we've gone back the last couple of weeks and and we will over the next couple as well and just really digging into those different features that we've got so we've got a lot of game data available to us and at a player level as well. So we're definitely looking at, at getting into the more player level and, and hopefully into some player markets too. Are you able to, I guess, go in a bit more detail around the kind of models that are driving the NRL and the AFL currently and what would you like to explore now that you do have a bit more time to work on it for the future? Um, with those models, they're both using neural networks. And so we're using TensorFlow predominantly through there. I mean, that's probably about as much as I can say. It's a really interesting way that we've built these models with our external partners, so Eliza. So they helped out with these ones. There's not a huge amount of research that we've found of people using neural networks for sports predictions. So we're sort of finding our own way as we were going along with it as well. But look, it, like I said, I mean, it's worked really well. AFL's not, but, you know, that that's the case. NRL's doing really well. And then next steps will be to put some player data in there as well and see if we can boost that accuracy up a bit more. But, yeah, look, at the moment it's returning an ROI of 10% if you had followed it head-to-head since the start of the season. And 10%, you know, if you think of it like an interest rate, is pretty good. So, you know, definitely better than banks. So, yeah, happy with that. (laughs) Cool. Are you a football fan? And if so, what sort of player stats do you think are your first to explore? I am definitely a football fan. 
I followed Geelong personally, so I'm quite happy at the moment with how they're performing. To be honest, I haven't looked at AFL player stats too much at the moment, and I haven't with NRL either, but we also do have an NBA product. And with the playoffs on at the moment, I find myself, you know, heading towards there quite often and having a look at the player data with with the NBA. So we've got a model that's been running for NBA predictive models since February in one shape or form on odds. And it's doing really well as as well. So it's returning 57% or choosing the winner 57% of the time. So it's been really interesting watching the change in the way the game's played between the regular season and the playoffs. So it's our first year modelling it. So, you know, we don't have anything to go on. But I was actually at a sports analytics conference in Boston earlier this year and one of the presenters actually did say that the playoffs game is really different to the regular season. And, you know, it sort of struck me now a couple of weeks into the playoffs, like what that really means. So at the moment, we're using the same model that we've been using since February. But I think for next year, we're definitely going to build out two separate models and have them running it, you know, a bit differently if we can, if we've got time. I mean, the NBA is is really exciting. Like I said, I've, I've been quite deep down into the data lately and just having a look at the assists and the points and where the players are shooting from, but then also the turnovers and the steals as well and then how effective they are. So, yeah, it's definitely really interesting and I go down a rabbit hole quite easily actually looking at all this data. I keep, you know, I have to put my head up and take a breath and step back sometimes so I can get lost. (laughs) So I guess for fans watching NBA at home, so when you say playoff basketball is different, what sort of things are should they be looking for? Oh, I don't know. Maybe they can tell me. They probably know. I don't even know how to answer that. (laughs) It's definitely a different style of game. And I think when you're trying to model it, something that we came across was because you're playing seven games in a row against the same team, really the only effective variable is whether it's a home or an away game. If you're modeling at a total team level, So I think going into the playoffs next year, we'll definitely have a more detailed model that will incorporate different players and potentially their court time as well. That's really where where we're going to start and where I'd suggest anyone start looking at. So what has been some things you have learnt throughout this whole process, modelling all these different sports and being involved at a very higher level and also at a very sort of like coding sort of level? Uh, Each sport is quite different. They might seem really similar, but I think the case with AFL and NRL, even the different scoring patterns, it does lead to a really different game. So you definitely want to look at each sport individually. I don't think there's a lot or or personally I wouldn't be just doing a one-size-fits-all model sort of thing. So with basketball, it's a really fast-paced game, which I really like. There's also a lot of different player markets that that you can get into with the betting side of things. So, you know, it's not just your head-to-head and that sort of thing. And the player markets, they have some good money going through there on some of them. So it would be really good to get down into that level. With AFL, I think 
you know, sometimes a little rule change or it seems like a little rule change, you know, maybe the the impact isn't understood when it's made. And I think that's what's happened this year with the game. It'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. So, you know, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have rushed out an AFL model. Not that it was rushed, it was working, but obviously the game's just been played completely different to how it was last year. So I probably would have taken more time to build out like a player position into the model as well. And with horses, what have I learned? I mean, everything really. I haven't learned everything, but yeah, it's been a bit of an incredible journey from, you know, never having put a bet on before to building up horse racing models. Um, I think horse racing is a real pleasure to model because there's so many races on any given day so you definitely get results really fast and you can change your models and iterate them if you need to to catch up with that i've been spending a lot of time the last couple of days feature engineering for some horse racing models that i'm building and it's just i don't know it's just really fun i love i love doing it i love looking into the data and and finding correlations between you know things that you didn't think would matter or you know they should matter but didn't which is surprising as well yeah it's just all good fun so what are some things that i guess you thought should matter but didn't and vice versa that you didn't think would matter but uh did so one of the ones that I didn't think mattered too much and didn't even incorporate it was actually event starters. When I, I deal with my spreadsheet, I've got the option there. I've just never used it. But when I dug down into you know the data for some particular tracks, it actually really does impact on the result of a race, how many horses are in the race. So for some tracks, it seems to matter. For others, it doesn't matter so much. I guess that's a bit of an insight into how I'm building my horse models at the moment is that I'm doing it by track as well. Whether rightly or wrongly, I sort of want to isolate, you know, specific tracks and look at them in detail and not just a one-size-fits-all with all horse racing data incorporated into it. It's been really interesting having a look at them. Though my favourite track, which is Doomburn up in Queensland, I can manage to pick winners there. There's a couple of really good barrier bias up there on certain distances. And so I've utilized those when I'm tipping or picking my horses and actually having a look at the correlations there, like in a heat map um, in Python, it's just, yeah, it's sort of really nice to see it in front of you and all the colors just going, yeah, that was the right path to go down for that one. What about, have you gone learning all these things like what resources would you recommend to people and then when it comes to working in your team what sort of skills would you like your team to have originally a couple of years ago actually i had started or enrolled to do a master's in data science at a university and i actually got there last year i deferred for a couple of years and then i finally made the class but i actually found it really slow paced. I think I work in such a fast paced environment that it was quite hard going to lectures and especially after being at work all day for another four hours studying maths, you know, a bit tiring. So I ended up doing a course through General Assembly in data science. So which is yeah, yeah. It's um largely around Python, learning how to code in Python. 
and doing a whole different range of topics from linear regression and logistic regression. Yeah, I don't know, my mind is blown, but um, a lot of exploratory analysis and feature engineering and and those sorts of things as well were involved in the course. And so that was a 10-week course, two nights a week, and it was online, and that was really great. I learned so much from that. I think for my final assessment, I actually did a project based on horse racing and predicting the winner, and I I predicted it within eight spots, which is like, I don't know why I bothered, but it was really funny. I learned a lot from that assignment, definitely. So what are some things you learned from doing that assignment? What not to use as features and probably just don't like just dump everything in and hope for the best. I think quite early on when you start modeling, dumping everything in is great, but you're actually better to start from, you know, one or two features and build it up instead. And the last couple of days I've been, working a lot on the horses and, and I've done the same thing. Like I just dump everything in. I can't help myself. But you sort of end up having to unpick it and unpack it to work out what works and what doesn't. So it just slows down the process a bit. I just like the different sorts of algorithms you can use as well. It's just really cool. It's just interesting. I also Google a lot. So, you know, Stack Overflow, there's a lot of research papers on sports analytics. So I read up a lot on sports analytics and then just apply it to the betting industry. You know, I think sometimes I'm a bit restricted by what I can do because, you know, everything does need to have a betting, you know, view over it. And it would be really cool to do some like just fun stuff, which, you know, I tend to do in my own time. So for people getting into the industry or what I look for, you just really have to have an inquisitive personality, I think. So you just want to know the reasons behind something. So, I mean, self-starters are really good that can think up an idea and or get given a, an idea or a hypothesis and just work out what you need to know from that. We're actually pretty relaxed at punters, which is great, but I quite often don't know what I want out of something. Like when I'm asking like someone in the team or even trying to find something myself, it's like I've just got this idea or hypothesis or, you know, I've had a look at a whole set of numbers and there's a number that looks really funny and it just stands out like there's something behind that or there's a reason or there's a story or something. And um, so just being able to go in there and be really inquisitive and dig around and try and look for things that don't fit or don't work. It was actually when I was building up, the spreadsheet, the horse racing spreadsheet, I went to go use it on Rockhampton one day, one of the the tracks up in Queensland, and I use a decent amount of data, but I noticed that, well, my betting for the day wasn't going very well, and I couldn't work out why until I dug down in the data, and it turns out that they had done something to the track in the last couple of years, so Half of the data I was using was irrelevant because it was on a completely different surface. So things like that, like little insights like that that you just don't know are there that the data can tell you. So being able to find those is really cool. Building out your own sports models too. There's a lot of data available in a lot of different places. So just playing around with the data and and building out your own models and seeing if it works. It's a great idea. And then I guess finally, if you were to get a time machine, 
and be able to go back in time? I guess sort of two questions. What advice would you give to a younger Lisa in terms of what would be good to know, learn and do to, I guess, make things a bit more fun and easier for you now? And then what would you have backed if you had a time machine? Yeah, okay. What would I tell the younger me? Just keep at it. Like sometimes you have a really hard day or you go down the rabbit hole and, yeah, everyone has hard days. But but just keep going and just keep learning because that's the key, right? Especially when you're moving into a new space. In fact, this is relatively new to me. So just keep reading up and learning and having conversations with people from that field as well. So I've found that really helpful and there's people that I literally have like just emailed through LinkedIn that are friends of friends or even no relation and just been like, do you want to have a coffee? Because I've got some questions. It'd be great to talk to you about it. You know, and I find a lot of times, like probably three out of five times, people are really willing to sit down and talk to you about what they've done or their history with something, like whether it's sports or sports team or sports, you know, science or that sort of thing. And what would what would I go back and change? I actually don't think I would change anything, to be honest. I really like that I work with the accounting and I can do the forecasting and predicting and, and that sort of thing. I think it's really broad role that I've got. I'm really lucky in that way because I don't think you can always tell a whole story by just the past or just looking at the future. So I'm lucky in that aspect that I get to sort of look at everything. So, yeah, look, I'm really happy and I don't know if I would change anything. What's something you wish you backed in the past that you would have if you could get a time machine? Oh, yeah, probably winks. (laughs) In, you know, every race. So uh, I would have taken out a loan and put quite a number of figures on that first race and just rolled it into the next one, into the next one, into the next one. So, I mean, I think there, there was a person that actually did that. So they were betting around about 200000 each time Winx was running and I think it was $2.2 million or something like that that they finished up with. So, yeah. Being that person would would be nice, definitely. (laughs) Cool. Thank you very much for your time today. I hope you enjoyed this chat and I hope the listeners do as well. Not a problem. Thanks for having me.